Welcome, sports fans, to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don presented by Give Us a Shot Network. You can find us on all of the major platforms and remember to subscribe to us and leave us a five-star review. Thank you to Nicole Thompson for the great introduction and to our guy Mike Regina with the JT and the Don intro music. We've got a big show tonight. We're going to talk a little bit of the NFL draft, recap that. We're going to get into Lamar's big contract, JT's favorite player, and a little bit of the NBA. But first, let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? So that's how we're going to start the show. Like oh, just it, say, just say did, you hate the guy. Did I say anything that was not true? That's your. Favorite I feel like player. I feel like you hate you just hate this guy for no reason. No, there was, that was uncalled for. I do. You not. sound you sound so upset that somebody who earned a raise got a raise. I, I've been saying he should get paid. I don't understand why you think I don't like him. I, oh, I know why you get paid. I know why you don't like he him because he's I'm a Baltimore Raven. I'm not going to exactly. Wear this hat to piss you oh, off. I'm glad because obviously you're not a Dolphins fan. I, I got my, I got my Tua hat. shirt here. Oh, I got my Dol- I got my but, Dolphins hat here. Look, hey, look, man, you're either look, not I, a Dolphins. I, fan I don't know how many confused, times I got to explain this to you. Confused. I like the Ravens for certain reasons, the same reasons that you should like them. Other than they play in a division with yeah, the Steelers, no, that would be like it's saying, UM North. Yeah, it's always be like, been UM North. You would never root for New England, even if they had. 11 starters from Miami. Like you just uh, I might have to think about yeah. it, but hey, I don't have to deal with that problem. So All right. you talk you're talking about how hyperbole things that don't exist. Well, anything. Anyway, I wore this shirt just for you. They have a college team named after me. This the University of San Francisco Dons. Great basketball players have come out of that program. So, you know, I that, they just that, like you gotta you going nowhere team. fast. You gotta rep your team. You gotta you gotta rep your team. So Wait, hold on. Aren't, aren't you a Canes fan? And isn't Robert Morris your basketball team? Why are you wearing that? See, of course, but but there's a difference there, right? They don't play each other. They're really not even in the same league. And on top of that, it's named after me, so I think I'm allowed to root for them too. They're my third team behind whatever Robert you Morris say. In Miami. He said he said rules for thee, not for me. All right, can we well, get started? Well, sp- hold on. Speaking of being a fan, right now I believe I have it on here in the in the DC studio is the Miami Heat game. That to show you how people he's not even a, a heat fan he's i'm sorry i'm sorry that i'm not rich on. enough to have a tv in the room while i'm doing this show i don't it's, have that it's option. not even that the thing is you have a show when your team supposedly your team your nba team is playing hey we do really i do i do i get to call off work just because my team is playing on tv hey we have a job to do and if you would be quiet we can start the show can we it's start 7 30 oh my god well please. he can keep talking guys we're gonna get started can't start the show without the NFL draft. We're going to recap that. Uh, a lot, a lot of things went down, a lot of trades, a lot of good players were selected. So we're going to go through this, kind of give you our thoughts and opinions on uh, who went where, who did good, who did bad. So you know how this goes, Don. Let's start off. What was the best pick of the draft? 
It was at number 17. The Patriots actually traded down and still got Christian Gonzalez, who I've been saying, who I think is the best corner in this draft. Witherspoon is right there with him. But when you can trade down, JT, get extra capital and still be at number 17 and get a guy. And listen, New England knows how to draft corners, right? They know how to draft the secondary. You can go back for years, whether it's Ty Law or whoever else, you know, it may be with Stephon Gilmore. They know talent at those positions when they see it. And I think that was the best pick. Yeah, I know you, you're a big Gonzalez fan, man. And it was perfect him, for him to go to the Patriots. I got to go with another cornerback. And I'm surprised you didn't pick this guy because we both, when the when round two started, we're like, how is he there? And then we're like, there's no way he can't be the pick, the first pick of the second round. That's your guy, Joey Porter Jr., going to the Steelers. You want to talk about a run on corners. It could easily be an argument could be made that he was the third best corner in this draft. And you look at other corners and DBs that got taken in round one. Gonzalez, I'm not going to argue with. Witherspoon, we both think he's elite. But Joey Porter, to me, was number three. And for him to not go in the first round when other corners got drafted, I mean, a gift given to the Steelers. And then all the feel-good story, you know, obviously Joey Porter, his dad is a Steelers legend, you know, for him to be in the draft where his dad grew up in Kansas City, but also to be drafted by the Steelers, it's an amazing story, but you guys got an elite player in, in the second round, that's the best pick. Well, you stole my thunder a little bit because he was going to be my steal of the draft, but I'll have someone else. All right, so let's flip it around. What's the worst pick? I'm really interested to see where you're going on this. Listen, I don't like to do it. Listen, I'm a special teams coordinator at heart, so I don't like to do this. But it was Jake Moody, third round, JT, third round, taking a kicker. Listen, I'm going to get into this more, but for now, let's just leave it at that. It is third round kicker, Jake Moody. And I'll tell you why. Yes, like he's got a leg. But JT, it's not like he was 100% or 99%. Like we saw him in some crucial moments late in the year miss field goals. So to me, I'm like, he would have been there in the fourth round. Easily, maybe the fifth or sixth, but in the fourth, he still probably would have been there, even though New England took one in the fourth as well, and they actually traded up for the guy. Yeah, but I mean, but, New England does those kind of things. Exactly. We expect that from so, them. so listen, worst pick to me, and, and it's nothing against him, it's just the position and where they took him is Jake Moody. Hmm. I can get with you on that. I got to stay true to what I was talking about in our draft preview show. And I, I hate to do this, but it ended up really being the worst pick. It is Jameer Gibbs going number 12 overall to the Detroit Lions. Now, the funny thing is, when we were talking about why I thought he was going to be one of the busts of the draft, I gave you all, all, the, all the information. I said he wasn't really good as a runner on the ground. He's good at receiving. He's too small, like all the analytics. And then I compared him to DeAndre Swift. Oh, how, what are the odds that he gets drafted by the team that has DeAndre Swift? And the Lions keep doing this to themselves. I don't get it. And then they moved DeAndre Swift. They moved him. They moved him for a clone. Like, one of the Lions. For a younger one. Maybe that was their doesn't thing. work. Like, I don't know what's worse, that they felt comfortable drafting him at number six, which, which was where they were originally slotted to pick, or that they've already seen this movie before. Like, they've drafted DeAndre Swift. Carry on Johnson, Amir Abdullah, Javed Best, like these are all the same guys. 
And I'm going to say this again. I know I know you say I don't do my homework, but this is why this pick is really bad. So since 2014, 64 running backs have weighed in under 200 pounds at the combine. All right. You want to know who's in the top five of those running backs? I'm not even going to give you a specific order. I'm just going to name the top five guys that I could pick off of this list. CJ Spiller. This is your opinion, though. Naheem Hines, five. Javit Best, Tariq Cohen, and Chris Thompson. I dare you to go look at that list. I'll send it to you. Find me five better guys on that list than, than these five. That is everything you need to know of why this is a bad pick. Like, I just don't know what the Lions are doing. And we've talked about their draft all weekend. And this just kicked off the <laughs> the avalanche of bad decisions. Jameer Gibbs, bad pick at number 12. I, I, I agree. I had him as my second worst. And, and I'll add one more thing to what you said. At number 12, JT, guess who was still there? My guy, Christian Gonzalez. I mean, you just got rid of Jeff Akuda, right? Like, you need some defense. Your offense seems to be okay. You need to be able to defend in this league nowadays, and you need to have corners. So, I mean, on top of that, that's another reason why it was a bad move, um, and I agree with you. Dan Campbell showing that he has limitations as a coach. Um, let's go with – Is he the GM? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know, know but I got to imagine in. he has input on some of this. Uh, I don't know, man. We saw some owners override some guys, by the way, and we won't get into it, but some owners supposedly high up on the board overrode their own GMs and coaches. Yeah, it happens. All right, so Houston, let's, go with, Houston. <clears throat> let's go with the steal of the draft. I I'm, I'm really want to see what you got here. <laughs> steal of the draft. I mentioned this guy in the draft preview. They got him in the seventh round, JT. It's Zach Kuntz, the tight end from uh, ODU. And why I like him going to the Jets, well, first, let me talk about him, right? He's the most athletic tight end in this draft. So think about how good this class was for tight ends, right? How many guys went early, went day one, then day two, especially. You get this guy in the seventh round. He's the most athletic. To me, I'll label him as this. And you can quote it, put it on Instagram. He is Gronk 2.0, all right? Ooh. He can separate from defenders. And why I really like him going to the Jets, Aaron Rodgers is there now. If he's still a bad man, yo, Zach Kuntz, no doubt, will be Gronk 2.0. Damn. I don't even know how I follow that up. But I'm also going to stick with a guy that I talked about in the preview show. And he landed in the perfect place. It's Stetson Bennett, fourth round to the oh, Rams. No. I told you. I told you, Damn man. Dread. Watching the combine, he surprised oh, me. I think he has everything that's needed to be an NFL starter that I didn't think he had when I watched him play at Georgia. And then now you get the team up you're, with Sean McVay. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. There, there, guy, is, there, there is an already flavor is that quarterback in Matthew Stafford. Man, like – if any quarterback wants to land anywhere, Sean McVay is one of the places you want to go. And I think Stetson Bennett is perfect, man. He's got the mentality that if things are needed from him early on in his career, I think he can go out there and get it done. And you look at what McVay has done with quarterbacks with lesser talent. Like, they can go out there and win you a game. I think they got a steal, man. A big steal with Stetson Bennett. I Listen, don't care what, what you say. What flavor is that Kool-Aid? Because you drinking it by the gallons, man. Winners. So let's go. Let's go to um, teams that will regret their pick the most. It's going again, nothing against this guy, but going back to my worst pick, it's going to be the 49ers. Their first pick in the draft, JT, they didn't have one. And this is why it's the worst pick. And this is why they'll regret it. 
if they had two picks early on, I would say go for it then. You've 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 taken a first and second round talent, then get your kicker. That's fine. Like maybe New England did. This was your first pick. You didn't pick until the third round because of trades you made with like the Dolphins, I think Carolina. So you're now picking finally in the third round. And you take a kicker. JT, listen to me. He officially nope. hates kickers and he officially hates running backs the no. same. <laughs> I don't. For somebody Listen, that's supposed to be a special teams, teams coach, I love damn. <laughs> I, I, hope you're, I hope your guys aren't looking at this because like, damn, Don don't think we were shit. No, no, no. Listen, no team is only a kicker away, especially in the NFL. No, JT. you're right. You're right. Like, they're, they're usually never a quarterback away unless it's Tom Brady. So, like, the other thing is I just think it lacked the foresight of the future, right? They've yeah. been building. When you look at all their picks – They've always built for the future, trading up for Trey Lance, right? Letting him sit behind Jimmy G, right? They move, um, who was it? Uh, Forrest, I believe, to be able to get some first round picks from the Colts. Like they do all of this stuff and then they do this? Like I'm confused. That's why I think they'll regret it because there were guys that could help them this year in the third round as well as in the future to replace aging guys, maybe like a George Kittle in the future when you've got a tight end class like this, right? Like, so that's why I think they'll regret it. And again, nothing against Jake Moody, but I mean, unless he's Adam Vinatieri or something like ends up Even being if he Justin is Adam Tucker, Vinatieri, like, it doesn't matter. Maybe not. Maybe it doesn't not. matter. Because so, so Adam Vinatieri is only as good as the offenses that he's playing for. Right. Like, Right. He's got Tom Brady, so that's why he can be Adam Vinatieri. Listen, it, unless maybe he's like Justin Tucker where he can kick it on the reg like 60 yards plus, but again, I don't that's know. One, if, that's one of one. That's yes, rare. This, I don't know if he's – I don't know if Jake Moody's this guy. Wow. So everyone watching, I apologize. I feel like we're spending too much time on kickers, so I can guarantee that I won't be talking about him, but I can't speak for this guy because, you know, he's a special teams coach at heart. Um, I had two really at quick – heart, I am. Yeah. So the first one is Tyree Wilson going number seven to the Raiders. And I think he's talented. But when you look at what the doctors are saying about him, like he's already hurt. I didn't know this, but apparently he's had two list Frank surgeries and he's still not 100 percent from the most recent one. So I'm looking at that as, OK, list Frank, not good. And this pick was made even worse because you could have just picked Jalen Carter. He was right there. So you chose the guy who might not even be able ready to play week one over Jalen Carter, who's a steal at this point at number seven. This could be another disaster for the Raiders. And the other one really quick, I don't think it has anything to do with him per se. It's just his injury. Um, the Titans, round three, running back Tajay Spears from Tulane. Didn't know this either. Apparently he has no ACL in his right knee plus full cartilage lock, which basically is like in-stage arthritis. So that already means his career is going to be short. Most doctors are saying two to three years. So why would you waste a third-round pick on a guy that already is going to be limited in the league? He's not going to start over Derrick Henry. That doesn't help you. And there were other running backs that were on the board. They could have taken a A-chain or, or Bigsby. Like, I just don't understand why they went in the third round with the guy that is every doctor is saying they're gonna he's gonna be out of the league in two three years tops? So those two are the worst picks to me. I think they're gonna be those teams are gonna regret making those moves. Why you gotta Flip. do two? Why you gotta do two? Ah, oh, because I can't. My shit. Uh, flip it around. Exactly. 
Now, this one is two. Two sleepers to keep an eye on from the future of this draft. All right. Well, first, I agree with Jason Curtis. Hey, if you don't have an ACL, you can't tear it. You know who didn't have an ACL? Heinz Ward, and he was and he was fine. So, and he you know played, who else had an ACL ACL history and you know arthritis? Todd Gurley, and we see how that went. Don't give him the second contract. He won't even make it to the second contract. Anyway, anyway, why? You All right, two players, two players that are gonna be. Why? Gonna be right. big time from this draft. Who should why we keep you, an eye out on? Why do you got to root against guys? All right, the I'm two sleepers to keep an eye out for in the future: Corey Tr- Corey Thrice, Steelers cornerback from um, Purdue, seventh round. JT, he's tall, lengthy corner. That's what the Steelers need, but with athleticism, and he can stay with receivers. They said he tested well for his size, and more importantly, especially for playing in the Pittsburgh defense. He's a great tackler. Like, he's a phenomenal tackler. And listen, the reason why I love Joey Porter going in the second round and us not taking him in the first at the end of the day and now getting a guy like like Corey in the seventh round, we're not the best organization lately in the past 20, 30 years of taking cornerbacks in the first round, all right? You can go down, whether it's Chad Scott, Can, can we please Burn, not go down his list of sorry-ass <laughs> players? Scott, you suck. Chad we get Scott, it. Arnie we get Burn. it. Keep it moving. <laughs> so – I got him, and then the other guy is Deuce Vaughn. The Cowboys took him in round six. And if you haven't seen this guy playing college, you did yourself a disservice out of Kansas State. Listen, he is the type of guy that can stick around the league for 10-plus years. He just figures out a way to just stick around and make plays. And he's going to be that guy that when Tony Pollard comes off the field, in comes Deuce Vaughn out of the backfield, dangerous, pick up that first down on a third and five little swing route. And, you know, he reminds me of those guys, another guy from Kansas State, I believe, Darren Sproles type of guy. That's how he's going to stay in the league 10 years, just the way Darren Sproles did. He'll find a way to make make teams. Love Deuce Vaughn. I mean, he was a beast. And then it's a feel-good story. His dad is a scout for the Cowboys. He got to make the call to his son saying that he got drafted. That's I, I, I do agree with you. I think he's going to be the back of the Tony Pollard. I think it's a good pick. Um, my two Giants, round two. I think they got a, a massive steal. John Michael Schmidt, center from Minnesota. He could have easily gone in the first round. And I think he's going to be their day one starter, possibly a rookie pro bowler. It's because he can play in both the zone and the gap scheme. So I like that pick. And then this is risky, but I feel it's a perfect landing spot for him. It's Kayshawn Booty, the wide receiver from LSU, landing in New England round six. He was way too talented to have fallen that far. And it might not be the stretch to say, hey, look, he could be their wide receiver one. Like that wide receiver room is not that good. And then you get a guy like Booty that's in there. Guys can coach him up. They got Bill O'Brien that's actually calling the offensive plays now, a real offensive coordinator. So I think the Patriots actually drafted a good offensive player for once in a while, and I think Booty will be a star. Well, you still got to have the offense for him. And it concerns me, though. You go to a coach like that, JT, and what he's done at LSU, and you hear some of the stories of what happened at the ball game. You're right. Game. You're right. And we'll like, fi- we'll find out real fast he, if he's for the NFL. It, that's true. Exactly. <laughs> we'll find out real fast. Exactly. So that could that you you definitely could hit the seat, like go through the ceiling, go through the roof with that pick, or we could find out real quick. You ain't even in the house. Like I just wow. never seen the Patriots draft somebody at wide receiver that has that kind of talent <laughs> traits. But we'll see. You're right. He couldn't mess it up. But 
we can't we can't have a draft recap without talking about your guy Will Levis. So everyone thought he was expected to go in the first round. I thought he was going number two. I was obviously wrong, but he fell to day two, got picked up pretty quickly by the Titans. But it was painful to watch him in that green room with you know all his female fans. Why did Will Levis fall? I think there's a couple of reasons. One, he just wasn't productive as people think. JT last year. A little over, like literally a little over 2,400 yards, 2,406 yards, 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Like, that's not special. I'm sorry. And then the big concern that you start to see on social media, and again, it's social media, so you got to take it with a grain of salt because you got people like you running some of the Instagram accounts just want drama. But, you know, you've got supposedly kind of that attitude, kind of cockiness, and that's how he came off on interviews. And that probably turned away some of those teams that were on the fence of taking a quarterback. And, you know, this is the thing. You look at the teams after Indianapolis, JT, they're trying to win now or their coach is trying to win now or their GM is trying to win now. So you look at the Raiders, Washington, Tampa, like there's nothing new, whether it's GM or coach, Ron Rivera, McDaniels, Tampa, you know, like, those guys are trying to win now. So they've either either teams behind the Colts either had a QB are trying to win now or their coach or GM's trying to save their job. They don't have time for Will Levis. That's why he goes to Tennessee because Vrabel's safe, right? And they have time for it. All those other teams didn't and he just falls. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it was his cockiness in interviews, which was well documented. You and that's hate why that. you, you hate when guys are like that. No, but I'm but that's think about how cocky you have to be for NFL GMs to be turned off. It's like we're cocky guys by nature as GMs, and like that's way too much for us. Like that's lets you know like what kind of attitude Will Levis has. And that also compounded by his poor play. Like he hasn't really played well at all in his college career. Like he lost out at Penn State. And then he came to Kentucky, did all right. But last year was horrible for whatever reason, injuries, talent. He just didn't get it done. So I think what you said, teams thought it wasn't worth the risk. And it's like, I want to save my job. I don't have time to take on this project that metrics tells me is going to blow up in my face and not work out. And I agree with you on the social media stuff. It's just a bad vibe. If you really want to know how people feel about Will Levis, I don't know if you've seen this. Have you seen the interview that he had with Peyton Manning? I did not. Oh, my gosh. That was painful to watch. So you got Peyton Manning, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And pretty and, humble, right? Pretty yes, humble. He, you he can always ask the him right any thing. advice about the game. Yeah. Hey, like, what do I do when I get to training camp? What's the best tools to succeed in the NFL? What should I do? You know what he asked Peyton Manning? Hey, bro, tell me about the marketing stuff. What kind of marketing moves should I be making? And when I tell you, the look wow. that Peyton Manning gave this kid was like, Get the fuck out of here. Like you, you, you got it all wrong. Like Peyton Manning looked at him like, yeah, you're not going to make it because you're already coming in with the wrong mentality. And I think that's what it is. Like you can't put the cart before the horse. You got to be good before you start thinking about your brand. And I think teams smelled that from a mile away and they said it wasn't worth the trouble. So keeping it going with quarterbacks, 14 quarterbacks were drafted. Damn, that seems like Ooh. a lot. <laughs> Ooh. How many, are gonna make, how many are going to make the, the active roster, though? Damn. But out of those 14 quarterbacks, which quarterback do you think landed in the best spot? You know, I'm looking at it just from the standpoint of this 
of like of the actual quarterback. And I think this guy needed it more than anyone. And there's some good situations that these guys are going to. Don't get me wrong. But I think this particular quarterback, he needed it more than anybody because of his injury. And that was Hendon Hooker. Right. So he's not going to play right away, JT. And that's going to give him time to learn from a guy like Jared Goff. By the way, Jared Goff been to a Super Bowl, number one overall pick. So he knows how to handle the hype. And, and can we can we say that Jared Goff could be a top five quarterback in the NFC? In the NFC? I'll give yeah. you that. I'll give you that. We could we could possibly say that. So that's a good point. So now he gets a chance to rehab, doesn't have to rush. The team doesn't have to rush him. And he went in the third round. No hype, JT. This isn't even like a Will Levis situation. Be like, dude, we traded up top of the second round. No, this is third round. We took this as more of a luxury pick. Then on top of that, I didn't realize this. Mark Brunel is there and JT Barrett is there. So you've got two guys that have had success, whether it's been in the pros or college, that can help this guy. On top of that, Dan Campbell's secure for now. So that's always nice because he can be patient again with them. And the O-line, all right, if he ever does get a chance to play here, right now this O-line is like a top five unit. And we always talk about you want to go to good situations. You know what helps? When you can stand upright and throw the ball. Yeah, I want to go to situations where I'm not going to get killed. (laughs) Exactly. You're not getting sacked 60 times. I mean, that's the thing that would concern me if I'm C.J. Stroud, like in Houston. All right? And like I said, he needed this more than any other quarterback because he needed a team that could be patient, that has a starter, like a bona fide starter, and it's Detroit. No offense. This isn't New England. It's not Pittsburgh. It's not Green Bay. It's not Kansas City. It's not San Francisco. It's Detroit. They will be patient with you if they believe in you, meaning the fan base. This isn't Philly. Like, if he went to Philly, I would still say it's a bad spot. But because it's Detroit and all these other factors, they've got great young weapons. You know them all. You play fantasy. Like, he's got it all. He just needs to worry about rehabbing and developing. And when Jared Goff's contract becomes an issue for, like, at some point, and it will, he'll be ready to take over. It's a great transition. I agree with your working theory on that. The only thing I didn't like about him landing in Detroit is if Jared Goff doesn't do well, that kind of means that Dan Campbell's job is going to be on the line. So it's like a guy got taken in the third round. The quarterback didn't work out. This big overhaul didn't work out. And now Campbell's gone. Like, does the front office still feel the same way about Hooker? But here's the thing. Flip side of that is he could show enough in practice and then maybe he gets in some games as a backup. They're like, hey, like it didn't work out with Jared. We can work with with Hendon Hooker on this rookie deal. So I can see it going either way, but I do like the spot in theory just because it's a bad division and the offense is good. Yeah, the only thing I I would say, like you you were talking about Dan Campbell, I'm starting to notice, JT, and, and you've mentioned it before. I think a lot of these shots are being called by the GM and the owner. So if the coach is gone, but the owner's bringing in a coach and the owner really likes Hendon Hook, guess who's guess who the coach has to get along with? Hendon Hook. I get you. I get you. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm going with the low hanging fruit. It's your guy, Anthony Richardson, man. Like he couldn't have landed in a better spot. You get the full undivided attention of Shane Steichen, who's 
track record is as good as anybody over the last five years in NFL. Coach Justin Herbert for two years as the offensive coordinator out West, and he just turned a quarterback in Jalen Hurts, who's very similar to you, into a superstar. Got him a massive contract. Got him yeah. to a Super Bowl. Now this guy is turning his full undivided attention to you. If I'm Anthony Richardson, I am excited as hell. Like, I couldn't have dreamt and prayed to have landed in a better spot than the Colts. And I'll add one more, and I don't know if you said this, but you know who the OC is? Who is the OC for them? Jim Bob Cooter, who was the passing oh, coordinator yes. for Trevor for Trevor Lawrence. On top of that, you got Minshew's going to start. You're in the AFC South. It ain't like it's world beaters over there. It's not like the According AFC. To you, last year it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, yeah. But it's not like the NFC, the AFC North, where it's like, man, you're you're just getting crushed every week by these defenses. Like, I I agree. It's the, it's the perfect division that if he has to start games, he can learn the job and still not get, get shell shocked. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts on that? No, we good. Go on to the next All one. Right. Why are well, you slowing down? Hey, look, I, I, thought, I thought you might Let's want to intro this because, you know, you hate him so much. Uh, oh, you want me to intro? All right. Yeah, go ahead. It's, yeah, you hate him. I, I, I do not. I do not. All right, so the Ravens finally signed JT's favorite player, Lamar Jackson, to a long-term contract. They signed him to a five-year deal worth $260 million with $185 million guaranteed. Now, the thing is, we don't know how much of that is fully, fully guaranteed. Um, but, JT, I think I know the answer, so I don't even know why I'm asking. But give us a good sound bite here. Was this a good move by the Ravens? 100%. He's a superstar, and he's their best chance to win a Super Bowl. And I like that they made this move at the same time they're stepping away from the Greg Roman era and stepping into the Todd Monken era. So what that means is, they're going to lead the league in passing attempts. And I've always said this before. I've always wanted to see Lamar play in one of these wide open new age NFL passing attacks so he can really show people what he's capable of. If he made an MVP season in a Greg Roman run first offense, I'm so excited to see what he's going to do in this offense. And now you add that with he's got the contract situation out of the way. He's got nothing to worry about except going out there and focusing on football. I'm excited. Yeah, of course it's the right move. I mean, come on. MVP quarterbacks are really hard to come by, right? They're really hard to find. I mean, ask the Ravens until they found Lamar. They they had brought in guys Elvis Gerbach. They had drafted Kyle Bowler. I mean, you go down the list with them, uh, and, and they couldn't find one, right? He is the reason, like you said, that realistically they always have a chance at possibly winning the Super Bowl, at the very least win their division and, and get into the playoffs. So. Listen, the Ravens, they're not your grandfather's defense anymore. They're not your father's defense anymore. Like, they need offense. This is an offensive league. You need to have a guy like Lamar Jackson. This is my concern, though, JT, is the animosity. Can that be overlooked now that it's signed? Because this is the thing. This is the thing. Will the organization, when he starts to hit any rough patch, and every quarterback does. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. Like, when that happens, is the organization going to hold the contract against him? More importantly, are the fans going to hold the whole negotiations and the big contract against them? Like, at the first sign of problems. I mean, 
whether it's his play, whether it's the record of the team, because now he's eating up a bigger the, percentage. The injuries, if they or the injuries, him. exactly. And that yeah. was the big one. Like, that's my concern now for Lamar is more of how is everyone else going to handle it? Because he got his, which he should, and the Ravens made the right move. I just don't like maybe the price it came at, meaning the negotiations, the animosity. I mean, mean, but this this is the price of doing business. I mean, everybody is negotiating contracts. The only thing is his was just super public. But also, I mean, I'm pretty sure maybe it wasn't as bad as the media made it seem as like between him and the Ravens. Cause I mean, if it was really bad, they would have just said, Hey, we're not going to pay you show up on the tag or they could have traded him. So the fact that they were willing to work with him tells me that it's probably closer to, it wasn't as bad as we thought it was. And, and this is going to grind your gears, but I got to do it. This is why you need an agent to put all this stuff. You to don't, keep it in you house. don't. Yes. To keep it in. So, house, so, so let's talk about the agent. Let's the just talk an, about animosity. the agent. You don't, obviously he don't need one. So let's talk about the agent. So what what is the I'm gonna ask you? I know it's your question, but what is him getting the contract done? What does this mean for the future of NFL contracts? Oh, it's done nothing different. I mean, it's done nothing different because the Hertz and Lamar contract contracts have started to reset the QB market again. Listen, Jalen Hurts got it done, but think about this, JT. Jalen Hurts is not an MVP guy, he's only done it one year, and he got just as good of a contract as Lamar. So but maybe that means the agent did help him, right? And can you imagine if Lamar actually had an agent? But or again, let or, me, or let me does go. it mean that the value of the agent in these certain circumstances, like I've maybe. talked about before, where you basically are the next guy up at your position, like a superstar, it sort of took a hit. Like Lamar was basically able to get a deal done that was able to reset the market without an agent. I got to believe that. Some guys that are especially quarterbacks, like, mm, I mean, I love my agent, but do I really need it? If anything, I feel like you won't feel the ripple effects of this maybe until some of these younger guys that are just coming into the league are up for their second contracts. I think the guys like Burrow and Herbert, they're already locked in with agents. Like, they built those relationships. But if I'm like, let's say, maybe like a sophomore or junior in college, and I'm like, hey, Lamar did it without an agent. I might need one to get into the league, but if I actually ball out, do I really need to have that agent to get the deal done if I'm if, if they think I'm worth it? I don't think we'll ever really know, JT, because we're not behind closed doors. You know what I mean? So, That's for example, my, my point is Deshaun Watson. He's phenomenal. We would agree in terms of what he did at Houston, right? Now, he had all those off-field things. He was able to get fully, fully guaranteed. and. The thing is, could he have done that? So what I mean by like he's great on the field is that he would have been, I think, one of those guys you would put in that spot to say, does he need an agent? Well, yeah. could it's he only, have got it's, it? It's, it's, it's only a percentage of the players right. that could actually but, do but what this. I'm but, saying, I, but what I'm saying, before the off-field stuff, you would have put him in that category as his new contract's coming up, right? You would have been like, he's in that Lamar category that he can get the deal probably, done himself. He can yeah. get the deal done. But my thing is, could he have gotten what he did in Cleveland without an agent, meaning fully guaranteed? I just don't believe it. That's why I think we'll never know well, the importance you're, you're of an right. agent. You're right, but there could be an argument to be made that maybe if it was Cleveland, he would have got it done sooner because they're just not that smart because they gave the deal to Deshaun Watson. So it could go either way. Like the Ravens are probably a, a smarter organization than the Browns, and that's why it took as long as it did, and that's why he didn't get exactly what Watson got. So 
dumb. We say this all the time. Dumb teams make dumb choices. So it just depends on who you're doing business with. That's what I think. In uh, in to wrap it up, I don't. I think the reason why I say nothing changes here too is this is resetting the market. Jalen Hurts, Lamar's contract, Kyler's. It's resetting the market. Putting in the head of guys like Burrow and Herbert. Hey, don't expect two hundred thirty million fully, fully guaranteed, right? Like expect something maybe as we go a year or two down the road, a little bit higher than Jalen, a little bit higher than Lamar, but don't expect fully, fully guaranteed. One one more thing on this before I go on to the next thing. I think that the NFL is going to catch a break, though, because I think the guys that are going to be next up, they also have to think about those guys may take a little bit of a discount because they're on winning teams with Super Bowl windows. So that can be pitched to them. Oh, you know, Take a little bit less. We can keep some of these weapons. Like Burrow is going to have to go through that. Justin Herbert is going to have to go through that. Mahomes at some point might have to go through that again. So the NFL is going to catch a break. So before we move off of football, I do talking about Lamar, black quarterbacks. I do want to go back to the NFL draft really quick. So Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson were drafted one, two, and four respectively. It's the first time ever that two black quarterbacks were taken with picks one and two. And it's also the first time that three black quarterbacks were taken in the top 10 of the draft. I just want to get your opinions on the significance of that. Yeah. I think anytime something happens for the first time and it's a good thing, like it's newsworthy. And this is, this is a great thing. Um, The significance is that hopefully it's just the beginning in terms of this occurring, like in, in the future. And at the same time, I would want to say, let's not forget about the QBs that came before them guys that maybe some people have never even heard of, like Joe Gilliam, Vince Evans, got Warren Moon, of course, Doug Williams. Like, that led to this moment, right? Everything they had to go through, persevere, and succeed. And I also think a big part of this is also to the recent success of guys like Mahomes, Lamar, Jalen Hurts, who they didn't go top 10, JT. Like, they didn't go top 10 like these guys. But looking back at redrafts, guess what? You better believe they go in top 10. They probably go in top five, top three. So it, you know, it, it can't just be the only time this happens. Um, Cause then it's like, we're going backwards. Right. And I would even say this, even if they don't succeed, even if all three don't succeed, right. And they don't get that next big contract. Cause they didn't play well. Like that should not change the way teams draft in the future. Meaning they should just draft on, their evaluation, what they see, what college coaches say, and they shouldn't judge it on, you know, skin color, like, or, or whatever stereotypes there were before, because you look at a draft a couple of years ago, guys like Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, they all failed. Right. And, but again, white quarterbacks will be drafted time and time again in the top five, top 10. So I'm hoping that this is not the only time it happens and it better not be the the only time it happens. I agree 100%. And I'll even take it a step further. I thought it was significant and very encouraging for the future that this showed that the NFL is willing to invest in the full diaspora of the black quarterback experience. Like, Mm -hmm. think about the quarterbacks that went top 10 in this draft. The pro-ready guy, Bryce Young. Right. The project with the upside through the roof, Anthony Richardson. And then you have the the low ceiling, high floor guy in CJ Stroud. Like it just shows like, hey, look, we think these guys are the best three quarterbacks, even though their skill sets and their games and their their range of outcomes are all different. 
and we are taking them because we think they are the best three quarterbacks. And I think the fact that they were willing to take three different types of black quarterbacks, I think it's very encouraging for the future of the NFL. Yeah, because they did the same thing a few years ago with Josh Allen, right? He wasn't quite ready to play, but guess what? They still took him really early, and that's good to see a guy like Anthony Richardson getting that same opportunity and chance that a guy like Josh Allen is is getting. That's that's a good Yeah, point. you see that same scenario with a guy like a Josh Allen, a Daniel Jones, and then like a Baker Mayfield. Like they're all three different types. And for for NFL teams to be able to take a chance on them, I think that was really great. All right. Uh, so- uh, real quick, the, the comment there, uh, Sports PSP, appreciate you watching. As, as always, your thoughts on Anthony Richardson going to Indy. Um, JT hit upon it. So real quick, we love it for him being able to sit behind Minshew. He's got all the support staff in terms of coaches being offensive coaches. Shane Steichen having coached Jalen Hurts, not only as quarterback coach, but then offensive coordinator. And he's going to have time, hopefully, to, to grow there. So so we love Anthony Richardson love going it. to Indy. I, I think personally it was the best landing spot amongst all quarterbacks. And I would agree Don would say it's at worst top three. All right, can we talk about some NBA playoffs, man? I mean, it's on the schedule. You're going to want to talk about it, even though you're missing your heat game. But you're a heat fan. I am. I am. If you be quiet, I can get to it. All right, before we get into the playoffs, uh, we, we got to talk about Joel Embiid that just came out. He won the MVP. Go ahead. Give us your thoughts. I know Jerm is somewhere gloating, so uh, I won't say too much. I'll let you guys have your moment. Go ahead. You, you know what's funny about this, JT? Like, I, I went back. I looked at the team records. I looked at the stats. I mean, I was telling you last year, Embiid should have won. The the Nuggets only won 48 games last year. They won 53 this year. And, I mean, Jokic has literally the same stats except a couple less points a game. Embiid has the same stats as he did last year. They won less, like two less games in Philly, but he has three more points per game. Like, I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. So it's either you did have voter fatigue or you realize you messed up last year and now you're giving it to Embiid because either he should have won both of these years or Jokic should have three in a row. Like figure it out. Or if you're trying to be fair, then just admit that and we can move on and know that maybe the MVP award isn't truly going to the the right MVP every time. Like I'm just confused. It's not a bad thing. And I'm not saying Jokic should get it, but then what about Giannis? We obviously saw the Bucs are not that good without Giannis. Like, I don't know what else to say. Obviously, Embiid has Harden, and you see that last night. So it's like, what about Giannis? Can Giannis get some love or no? Because he already has one, and he won an NBA title. Like, I, I'm confused. I'm just, are are, you, are confused. you mad that Embiid didn't get it, or are you mad at the voters? <laughs> like, are you mad, mad at the award? Year. Are I'm you mad. mad at the award? <laughs> You're like, oh, he deserved it. He deserved it. But, like, why couldn't they give it to Giannis? Make up your damn mind. No, no I, I I agree. It goes with you. back to last year. I think all things can be true in the situation. I think it was just a perfect storm. The most, the best thing I think he had going for him was, correct if I'm wrong, led the league in scoring back to back years. Right. Mm-hmm. Th- that right there is is amazing. Like for a big man too, for, for a big a center. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned it last year. I forget the first time since I don't even know. Shaq yeah, and then he did it again. So that right there, I think, was a lock for him to win MVP. And I think all the other things, the voter fatigue with Jokic, what Jokic hasn't accomplished in the playoffs, Jokic still playing at the same level and it's not as impressive to everyone anymore. You know, I think all those things. And then we we can't, you know, just 
brush over like the comments that Kendrick Perkins made. Like that's been echoed by other people. So I think it was just a perfect storm and it was an easy decision. I, I thought it was an easy decision just to give it to him. Like, what did the NBA gain by not giving it to Joel Embiid? Like he clearly deserved it, but like what was there to gain by not giving it to him? But hats off to him. I mean, he's worked his ass off oh, to stay healthy. Sure. I mean, sure. no indictment on him being hurt now, but he's worked his ass off to be healthy the past two years. He's dominated. And this is what we kind of thought he would do when he was taking number one overall. And, you know, they tanked for him in the process and everything. So, no, he was not number one overall. He wasn't. He was no. number, what, two? He fell because of the injuries. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, they, they named the process after him. And I feel yeah. like he is bit, he's embodied what Philly has tried to do. So, I'm, I know I talk shit with you guys. I'm happy that he's got MVP and he deserves it. For sure. It. He, he's earned it, not just deserved it. He has earned it. Like you said, he's battled from injuries back-to-back scoring title like i mean come on he's he's earned it i'm just confused on how they're voting nowadays That's yeah all. we don't know <laughs> voting voting is weird but let's go to the playoffs uh we're in the conference semifinals and there's some great matchups <laughs> including my heat but let's talk about the guy who didn't win mvp Jokic and the nuggets they face the suns so that means the reigning mvp is going against a former mvp of course in kd so this is an interesting question. Which player needs to win this series more for their legacy, KD or Jokic? It's a really good question. About time you come up with a good one. Listen, it's easy, though. It's Jokic. I mean, KD has two titles. And JT, I don't care what anyone says, and I don't care how you win them, as long as they weren't fixed. Like, if you have a title, the pressure's off. I, James Harden had a title. Didn't matter if it was in Philly and Brooklyn. The pressure would be off. And yes, while Jokic is younger and will still have chances and chances to do this, presumably, like the pressure is on, right? And this is the reason why. Think about not only multiple MVPs, right, which Jokic is at this point, but just someone who's won an MVP at all. Going back, I'm not going to read you all of the names because there's multiple in here. But Please since don't read 19, us all the names. <laughs> since 1990, my point is, listen to these names and just think about what you think of this player, all right? 1990 was Magic. Then you've got MJ, all right? Then you've got Barkley, all right? Okay, I, okay, okay, I get it. You, you I'm, not done, I'm not done. I'm, I'm I, get, not I get what you're saying. Hold on, I'm not he's, done. He's I'm, not, he's not I'm, considered an all-time great. I'm not done. You've got Barkley. Then you've got Hakeem. Then David Robinson. There's a difference there. Then you've got MJ again, then Carl Malone. And then if you go into the 2000s, 2001 Iverson, then Duncan Garnett, Nash, Nowitzki. Of those guys, I would say of all the guys I've named that have not won one, then you've got Westbrook hasn't won one, Derrick Rose hasn't won one, Harden, and now Jokic and Embiid. Forget Embiid for now. Of all those guys that did not win a title, you know the only guy that probably gets mad respect no matter what? is Allen Iverson. Everyone else looks at a Carl Malone, looks at Barkley. The first thing that comes out of your mouth, you didn't win a title. You didn't win a title. Well, it's They're because of Iverson's size. And then the one time we did see him go to the finals, it was like, no, God himself yeah, no couldn't have won that series. Yeah, yeah, no chance. Like Derrick Rose is always, did he win an MVP? Because people think of all the injuries. That is my whole point in this exercise is that I don't care that KD had to go to the Warriors. He's got his ring. He's got his MVP. Goodbye, good night. Jokic, this pressure is all on you, buddy. You've got to come through. 
I great, great process. I like how you got to the answer, but it's wrong. I disagree. It's obvious it's KD. Oh, and it's on. because if he doesn't beat the Nuggets, which they're already down one <laughs> zero, and uh go talk with Marcus. We love him as part of the network too. I know you looked at me crazy when I was on your show last week, and before this series, I told you the Nuggets would destroy the Suns for reasons. Go watch his show. But it's KD because if they don't win this series, this will be three times outside of Golden State where KD has failed to get it done. And those teams have had talent. He had talent in OKC. He had talent in Brooklyn. And he has talent with Phoenix now. I don't understand what else does he need to get it done besides having Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. It's obviously KD. And it's it's more damaging for his legacy because we know where KD is and we know where people are trying to put him. He's always in those conversations of, He's the best player in the world. We love his talent. He's the most talented player in the world. All right. We got to we gotta stop using that as a crutch. And then also, too, you're going to have, when his career is done, and let's say he doesn't win another title, you're going to be have guys like you that are going to want to put him in the top 10 just strictly based on talent alone and the two titles that, what, he, that he purchased out, out the Bay It doesn't area. matter. He's got like, that's that's why that's him. why this is so important for his legacy because if he loses to Jokic and the Nuggets with this team with CP3 and Devin Booker, some people are gonna look at him a little bit differently, and he won't get the Iverson treatment of oh yeah, he's a smaller guy. We like that. No, this is KD. You are a superhuman. It's you and LeBron. You have to get it done. And we've seen you fail three times, and it's going to hurt his legacy. But see, there's going to be a lot of people like me that are like, yo, KD's talent, wow. Like, he beat LeBron. And that's why I hate it. I got it, into this argument matter. with Marcus. It doesn't and I, matter. That's why I hate talking basketball because people factor in so much of talent into yeah. NBA discussions. It's but he's football. produced. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be yeah. a thing. It oh, wouldn't be. On, he has produced, fair. but we're talking be about fair. all-time greats. He ain't, yes. he ain't there. Yeah. Oh. He ain't oh, there on. yet. Uh, how can you not? Oh. All right, so let's, let's go with some quick predictions on some of these series. All right. Yeah. So Lakers versus Warriors, who you got? You know, I got this funny feeling, man. I got this feeling. It's the Lakers. It's the Lakers. LeBron, he's he's on a mission, zero dark 30. What's he call it? I yep. think that's what he calls it, right? Listen, AD is healthy and balling. You've got – I told you this when they made those trades at the deadline. What did I say? I like how they brought in shooters, and I like how they have depth. They've got Austin Reeves, your guy. They've got Malik Beasley, shooters. They've got – They've got depth now with at certain positions. I like it. And I think Golden State, listen, they're getting older, going through seven-game series, JT. That's not what you want to be in. You don't want to be in a dogfight the first round. You know, go ask the early 2000 Lakers when they had to go through battle-tested series and then have to face the Pistons. Nah, it, 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 that's not the recipe to win a title. I agree with you for everything you just said. It does feel like a LeBron series. And I think the Kings mentally might have taken a little bit of steam out of Golden State in that last series because it went the distance. But just look at the little things that you already kind of mentioned the Lakers are doing. AD, quietly the best defensive player (laughs) in the playoffs, leading leading all the players in rebounds and blocks. Like, this is vintage. This is this is vintage AD. And then also, I think an underrated piece that people aren't talking about is our guy, Jared Vanderbilt, who I've been seeing this pop up everywhere. Scouts are saying that around NBA circles, he is the best big man at guarding guards on the perimeter. So it's just a perfect storm. And I think LeBron is the catalyst for this. And it's like if anybody can knock Steph Curry and the Warriors off, it's LeBron. He's done it before. Lakers are coming, man. I think they're going to get this one. 
JT, how about that question from Jason Curtis? We we can save this one for the end of the playoffs, but just, just give like a quick 20-second preview of what your answer would be. If Golden State beats LA, then wins the title, does Curry jump LBJ all-time greatness? Oh, I've already given this answer before in a previous episode. Yes, because this is already teetering on the Steph Curry era with titles alone. This is definitely going to push him over LeBron James, in my opinion. I'm taking that on. That's ridiculous. I don't care. On I don't to care the what next you say. one. This is I, this is what I got to deal with. Someone, come on. All right, this so let's go, let's let's get let's get to the other series that I can't watch right now because I'm doing this show with you. Heat. You selected this time. Heat Knicks. Heat Knicks. Who you got? You know, man. Sorry to say, I'm rooting for the Heat, but y'all, New York Knicks. Julius will come back. Jimmy Butler's out game two. I can see that lingering. You're already down, Tyler Hero. It's about depth in the playoffs. If Jalen Brunson stays healthy and Julius comes back, I, I think it's the Knicks in six. Well, I'm not sure because um, I saw that Brunson and Randall are both uh, game time decisions. I'm not sure if they're playing. And then they're yeah, saying but, Jimmy B is out. They're playing? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I didn't get a chance because you've got um, – you have me doing this show, but the Vegas line did jump significantly as Jimmy B and, is out. And I, well, I think it was more that they knew Brunson was going to play as well. Um, but we'll so. see. We'll see. I, I will say this. Jimmy Butler being hurt is a big deal. I saw that he was saying that the ankle sprain wasn't as bad as it looked. It looked bad. And the bar where I was, everyone just was quiet, but you just never know, man. Like, he could come back next game and be fine. But if Jimmy B is out there, I think that he can roll this team. And I just think it will come down to Jimmy Butler is just that guy in the playoffs. And Coach Bo is better than Tibbs. So, I think Jimmy B's health, they, the Heat win. Jalen and Julius are playing tonight, but the Heat are up 46-43 at the moment. But you need Jimmy Butler, man. And I, if we can, I just, if we can steal, think... if we can steal the first two games with missing the oh. Butler, I think that's a big, that's a big sign because he oh. will be back. I know. I got this feeling. This is it's going to be a tough series. It's going to be a tough series. It's going to be a good one though. All right. So before we go, we got to get it in real quick. Forget about it or forgazy. The most popular segment in all the sports talk. All right. The way it works. Going to read a statement. If you agree with it. Or you think it's a hot take, you say, hey, forget about it. If you think it's a bad take, you say, fugazi, it's fake. All right? So first one, Will Levis not returning to the green room for day two is a red flag. Fugazi, I hate this notion that you have to take embarrassment at all costs. <laughs> the guy handled day one as well as you could. He sat there. He smiled with Smile. all of his girlfriends. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to go home on day two and be with my family. What's wrong with that? I don't get it. If anything, the red flags are the things that we talked about. His play, the selfies, and him prioritizing what's important. So him him not coming back day two is irrelevant. Yeah, it's for Gazy. I mean, if he went back, hey, great for him. He's like, you know what? I've got this fortitude. If he doesn't, I don't think that's any sign of his character or how he does on the field. So for, for Gazy. All right, next one. Uh, <laughs> I actually said this on uh, Marcus's show, and I guess it's sticking. Jimmy Butler is LeBron-like in the playoffs. Forget about who, it or forget it. sticking with? You came up with it, and you wrote this one. Don't act like Stephen A. Smith is saying this. And, hey, from the streets Jimmy are talking. That's, that's, that, hey, it's been thrown around. I saw videos of it. <laughs> uh, man, 
I'm gonna say Fugazi. There's only one LeBron like in the play. You just couldn't you just couldn't give it to me. You thought nope. about it, you were like, damn, that's nope. actually kind of true. It's close. Nope. Out the window. Nope. There's only one LeBron like zero dark 30. I gotta say, forget about it. Like Jimmy Butler in the playoffs and playing with guys who you think are just not that great talent-wise is 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 amazing, man. Like if anything. You're seeing how similar him and LeBron are, and I think people are starting to look at the bubble as maybe it wasn't a fluke because two of the guys in the league that have that dog in them was all about basketball in the bubble, and look where we are now. They're doing it again. They're willing their teams past where people thought they would be. So I'm going to agree with it. Well, I think uh, Jason Curtis agrees with you, agrees with you too. I know geniuses, Um, all geniuses think, think alike. You need to take notes. Listen, listen. See, he's taking a cheap shot at LeBron. That's why. That's why I don't like this comparison. Look at, look at that cheap shot. Until Butler loses three finals, I guess it's for Gaze. God, come on. Get LeBron went to like ten NBA finals in a row. All right, Colorado Buffaloes should be concerned so far with the Dion era because of the mass transfers. Oh, forget about it. I think this is Whoa. this is a real big issue for what? two reasons. The one is. I would say this again. Dion should have gone to USF instead of a program that didn't even want to invest in their sports program anymore. <laughs> and I get it. Like year one in the college is tough. Like you talked about it last year. Lincoln Riley went to USC. They lost like what, like 40 plus guys that first year? 50 plus. 50 plus. It happens. But I think the issue with Dion is deeper. And I think it has to do with this coaching style. The same coaching style that black players take from guys like Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney. We don't seem to take that from black coaches. Like, you see it at every level. Like, look at the black coaches that are in college football. Guys like a Charlie Strong or a Mel Tucker. Like, they all have the same demeanor. Like, they have not seen a guy like Dion. And usually when the coaches are fiery like that, like a Saban, we don't respond well for some reason to that. So I like Dion, but I don't think the players at the D1 level are going to respond to him the way that they respond to like a Saban or another coach that is fiery like that. And I don't know why that is, but that seems to be the case. Like the players don't like the way that Dion is talking to them. Everyone's transferring. Like it just seems like something is not a fit at Colorado and maybe it will take time to fix, but I'm worried as of now. No, it's Fugazi because of what you said about the whole USC thing. And I've told you this multiple times because you obviously remember. So it must be saying something right. They lost like 50. They had a turnover of like 53 guys transferring out and they got to the Pac-12 title game. Like this is common nowadays, JT. I mean, Mario Cristobal tried to do it last year. It just took this year for there to be a mass exodus of the transfer portal for Miami because they want guys in there that are their guys, right, that are their guys. And, you know, I mean, you've got all sorts of players, positions, type of guys that are transferring out it's not just one type of player so uh, it's it's for gazy we you've got at least one season i I agree with you on the time frame that's why i brought it up but i'm really serious about the coaching style i watch that that's that that is going to determine his tenure and success there I don't watch want it. this to go. I don't want because it's it's I, I get it. We, we, we can talk about that but, another but, time, but just but watch real it. quick. It worked at Jackson State. Yeah, but it's different, man. They needed you. The players needed you at Jackson State. These players might not feel yeah, they need you. They if, definitely do. It's Colorado. If, if they don't like what you got to say. This is D1 it's football. Colorado. The period, time period of NIL. Players, players don't listen as much as they used to. All right, next one. The Clippers need to blow it up. Forget about it or for Gazy. 
real quick shout out to Mike Powers. Thanks for for watching. Um, yeah, you know, I hate saying this, but it's forget about it. Don't it's you do it. it. Don't it's you for, do it. It's forget about it. Listen, <laughs> those guys can't stay healthy. I, you I'm are team now. PG and Kawhi. Like, you can't do this. I've been to the death, but it, it's over for me, JT. Like, for you to play in game two, and then all of a sudden you've got a knee sprain, game three, but it kind of was like already bothering you before game two. Like there, it, I, I don't know what else to say anymore. I, I don't know what else to say anymore. PG 13 has a great year. Every time he has a great year, something comes up. It was the shoulder, the one year. Now it's like, I just can't do it anymore, man. I can't. Why keep doing it when we know what the answer is going to be at the end about time you came around. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. They need to blow this up. For everything you just said, Paul George is a walking injury. It's the shoulders, the kneecaps, the ankles, the ribs, the back, everything. And then not to mention, the boy gets spooked when pressure gets too hard. The man had a mental breakdown in the bubble. But the, the biggest reason they need to blow it up is because Ooh, of Kawhi. PG, PG, oh, PG, you, know, you remember he, he, had, he, he was having the whole mental breakdown in the bubble? You don't remember that? I, I don't. Go look it up. He definitely did. But the biggest reason why they need to blow it up is because Kawhi's done. And I think this is what teams have known, and now it's coming toward the end of it. Kawhi, whatever it is, it's degenerative, and this is where we are. He's never going to play a lot of games. And you got to hope that if your team does make the playoffs, he can contribute. Like I think that's why they were trying to preserve him in San Antonio, and I think that's why they've been preserving him ever since. It's, it's just nothing you can do about it. And once he has reached this stage, the whole outlook looks different. So you got to blow it up, do something else, because you can't rely on these two guys. Yeah, only thing is I don't know what they can do at this point because some of the contracts. But last one, Donovan Mitchell is overrated. Forget about it. I've oh, been saying this. You're such a hater. You know, I, you, I you said this everything to your narrative. I, you I, everything I said this. Narrative. You, could, you could have taken it out of the show. But I said this in Utah. Who the hell is Donovan Mitchell to get players sent away and be demanding all this stuff? Oh, and guess what? It just wasn't Utah. What do you know? He goes to Cleveland. They disappoint. And now what's all the rumors? Oh, for sure. He wants to be in New York. It's like, bro, like, why is Donovan Mitchell getting to do all this stuff and have this cachet? Like, he Allen Iverson going to the finals and losing and nobody talking about it. Like, it's Donovan Mitchell. Like, he has not earned that, that level of respect yet. I don't even think he's better than Darius Garland. Yes, Donovan Mitchell is the issue. And until he shows me something else, I think he's overrated, and he's always going to be the issue. You are such a hater. Like, JT is a hater. Is he overrated or not? About now, forget about, about what I said. What do you about say it. so we can wrap this up? I mean, what do you think I'm going to say? I mean, what do you, what do you think? I don't I'm know. I mean, the way you, the way you going at me, you would think Donovan Mitchell's a top five player. So if he's anything he's other than that, five. you better no agree with me. He's, but he's not. Is he overrated or not? Just say it. No, it's Fugazi. That, that's a terrible statement. All right, like that's a terrible statement, dude. The guy. All right, the guy. Since he's been in the league, the he's averaged more than times. twenty points a game. He's this past year, how much? More than twenty points per game. At least minimal, minimal every year. Yeah, you, you know this how I feel about year, twenty points per game. This past year, or someone's got to score it. This past you know. year, twenty-eight point three points, four boards, four and a half assists. 
He took them to what the four seed. Like he's rejuvenated that franchise that was decimated after LeBron left. He gives them a chance Didn't to get in the playoffs, playoffs every year and to win. Didn't All right, make the playoffs last year. Yeah, but look what they were so much better. Oh my god, that rejuvenation! They were so much better. That rejuvenation! Oh my god, he got us back to the same exact spot we were. You're you're missing the point. There's a different feeling and energy there. Yeah, it feels like like a bigger disappointment. When the Heat Heat made the playoffs in 2009, JT, three years removed from the title, you you knew you weren't winning in 09. But LeBron came and Chris Bosh, and there was a rejuvenation, even though you had been to the playoffs the year before. So that's my whole point here is that gives Cleveland that chance because they know they have that star power now with Donovan Mitchell. They can bring in other pieces to want to play with Donovan Mitchell. He's not over it. How do you score 28? They already said he wants to go to New York. Let me tell you something. For everyone everyone watching at home, Don Don said Donovan Mitchell going to Cleveland is like LeBron coming to Miami. Oh, the rejuvenation. You're right. I feel (laughs) But JT. That doesn't matter what, oh, what players man. he's being sent or he wants to go to. That has nothing to do with him as a player. If you don't like that he's leaving, that's one I do thing. think he's overrated. I, I, th- I think he I think he's a volume scorer. He's a volume scorer. He's a volume scorer that, that has – he's a liability on defense hater. at this point. You're such a hater. You hate guys I'm that telling build you the truth. stat sheet. You know what? He don't, he don't, he don't, you don't want to be them. You want to be them. You don't add no value to them. Oh, You're please, if I, if I want to be anybody in the NBA, I promise you it won't be Donovan Mitchell. I got better oh, options than that. 28 points a game. I'd rather be Dylan a, Brooks. At least that boy having fun. Yeah, I definitely don't want to be Donovan Mitchell. 28 points per game and on a max contract. No, no one wants to be Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, whatever. yeah, whatever. Are we done with this show? We're done. This can can, can you can we get out of here? Because I'm so yeah. tired of talking to you. We played fair up until the end, and then you had to go say terrible things. Fugazi. You wanted to say stupid. I get it. Gazy things. All right. So to the fans and listeners out there, thank you for always listening to us and putting up with JT. And remember to please subscribe to us. You can find us on all of the major platforms. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. Again, JT and the Don All Sports Podcast presented by Give Us a shot network and remember you can also follow us on social media our handle jt and the don we can be found on instagram tiktok twitter and facebook so jt a lot of fun great episode man and until the next episode see ya peace